following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I wanted uh, the youth to stay with us uh, because I was a youth at one point. Um, I still think of myself as a young person, but uh, you guys probably think I'm older, at least the youth do. Um, but I wanted you guys to stay in because I think this message might involve you because this is really multi-generational. Um, that I believe that God wants to make himself known on these different mountains of influence that we've been talking about in this series. And the ones that I wanted to talk about and I was asked to talk about were uh, arts, entertainment, arts, entertainment, and media. Um, and I think that you guys are the next generation that are going to be the leaders in this area. Um, and you already are kind of immersed in it just by uh, being one of the first generations to grow up with an iPhone um, or some mobile device, which, you know, I grew up with, we had a rotary dial still when I was young, and then we switched to, you know, the touchstone, and then eventually we got the wireless phone, and now we have cell phones, and now we have computers that are also happen to be cell phones and cameras and, you know, video cameras and all sorts of stuff all in one. <laughs> so, I mean, we've gone really quickly uh, technologically. We are in the technological era uh, in terms of our history, our world history, our American history, um, and Western civilization. So there's a really interesting boom that has happened in technology, and I think it's something that we should be talking about at church. Um, I don't think it should be the main thing we talk about, but I think it's something that um, is really important to talk about because it is an area that is influencing our culture and shaping culture in a significant way. Not only the content that is being produced on TV and movies, music, all of this stuff, that's really important, but also the technology itself is influencing where we can go with it. Um, So there's a lot of interesting things that I think just from a social development um, kind of perspective that uh, technology is shaping, and I think it's important to talk about. Um, Occupying the land. Uh, Pastor Brian spoke last week about uh, government and education and occupying that space. And one of the things that struck me about his message was that, in in essence, if, if we as believers are not occupying that part of the land that God has called us to, then somebody else is going to, right? Um, And it's not just uh, we as uh, Christians in terms of our religious association with the word Christian. It's actually occupying it spiritually as well. So it is believers occupying that space. But what that means is that we are vessels shining the light of Jesus Christ to the world. And so the most important thing about that is not that oh, we're Christians and we're going to occupy this land and everything needs to have a Christian brand on it. What's most important is that the light of Jesus Christ is being shown throughout these different spheres or mountains of influence. And I think arts, entertainment, and media are one of them. And it's really difficult actually to talk about all of them because this involves news, movies, TV, commercials, uh, video games, virtual reality, fine arts, music, social networking, and media Sports, um, you could kind of qualify a lot of things under entertainment. 
Um, so I want to kind of go broad here and umbrella all of this under entertainment. Even news journalism is kind of a form of entertainment if you think about it. Uh, it's something that occupies our time. It entertains our time. It entertains our minds, our thoughts, whether it's visual or audio, uh, music, whether it's a, a piece of art. These things can entertain our time. And then there's another category of industry where we use these tools to make money and do business. So there's kind of different categories. We have the experience of sports. We have the experience of you know, movies and TV and all that. But there's also finances that are needed to drive that. And so there's kind of different motivations depending on where you're coming from. Some people love art for the sake of art. Some people like art but they figured out you know, they could make money off of it, so they're going to try and do that. Um, I want to come and kind of rework the framework a little bit of how we perceive entertainment, and I think God wants to do that. I believe that God is the originator of entertainment. I believe that God is the most entertaining being that we could ever encounter. If we look at Psalm 19, 1 through 4, Let's go ahead and turn there in our Bible. This passage is just rich. We look here and see how entertaining God can be. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. I believe that what we see here in the psalm, what the psalmist is saying is, look out, look out among us and see what God has done. Look at creation. God is the most creative being. He is the creator and we are the created. So all of what we do creatively in the arts, entertainment, and media world are actually a reflection originally of God's creative nature. However, these things got distorted at in the Garden of Eden where we fell into sin, and we can, we're going to go into that a bit later. But I wanted to kind of bust a lie that I think is a problem right now in this generation, this upcoming generation. And this is one of the things that Satan wants to do to confuse us, distract us, and cause us to not engage fully with Jesus and engage fully with God. One of the greatest deceits, I think, of our time is that we have become afraid or concerned or enticed that the world has something better to offer us than God. Isn't that kind of an elusive belief? It starts to set in, oh, I think the world actually has something maybe that's more pleasurable or maybe something that's more enjoyable, uh, maybe something that is going to make me feel better um, than God does. And that is a lie. It is a straight-out lie. God has the most to offer us. God is the most entertaining. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is the God of pleasure. God is the God of beauty. God is the God who created beauty. <laughs> God is light. And we have this little belief that kind of comes in as a little seed and sits into our hearts and says, I don't know, maybe, maybe God doesn't have that. He's invisible. I can't see him. I don't know that God has 
everything that I want. So I'm going to go somewhere else and find it. And that begins to set in a cycle or into motion a pattern of us distancing ourselves from God slowly. And then soon enough, we don't realize it, and we're completely cut off. We've cut ourselves off from God. And then we even get angry at God and say, God, where are you? God, where is your presence? Why don't, I, why don't I feel you, God? See, I knew it. I knew it. He wasn't going to be there for me. I knew that he didn't have what I needed. So I'm going to go to this other stuff. That's a lie. I, I just wanted to kind of bust that because it, it's really silly, actually, when we look at it. Because God has is, is made himself evident, not only to people who are raised in religion, but he has made himself evident to all the world through his creation. And Romans talks about this in a very powerful way that I think can kind of help us understand the truth. So let's turn to Romans for a second. Romans chapter 1, I believe. Where are we? There we go. Romans chapter 1. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And verse 20, this is really important. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So even for people who may have not been raised in the law, they may have not been Jewish or they may be a Gentile, even these people can understand the attributes of the invisible God. And I think it's something that's implicit in all of us. There is an innate desire to know God and an innate curiosity about God's existence. And when we go out and look at the stars or we go sit at the ocean and look out, we see all of this vastness and we wonder we're like, whoa, God, you must be magnificent. You created this. I couldn't have created this. And then there's this thing about order. There's this thing about design that we can't get away from, that there's so much design, there's so much order in creation that it's really difficult to get away from the truth that God made it because it's, too, it's not haphazard enough. It's not chaotic enough. There's actually enough order. <laughs> and even when things are broken, it begins to show us that there was somewhere at some time where that was unbroken or where that thing was actually healthy. There's a, a famous um, singer named John Foreman. He's, he's one of those Christian singer-songwriters who, who's kind of crossed over into the mainstream music, and he wrote a song that says, the shadow proves the, sh- the sunshine. And you see um, this kind of image of shadows, and we can almost become obsessed with the shadows. And, oh, look at my shadow, you know, Peter Pan chasing the shadow. And there's this idea about shadows that's really fascinating. But we would not have shadows without the light. We would not have shadows without the sun. And in, in a sense, all of the things that are kind of twisted and broken 
originated from something that was meant to be good, but then it was taken and used for evil. Even Satan himself, Lucifer in heaven, was a worship leader. And he fell, according to a scripture, he fell because of his own pride. But he originally was actually under God's authority. But there was a seed in him that caused him to rebel from God's order, from, to rebel from the way God, things, God made things to be. And we see this as well in the garden. When Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God says, here's all, all of these trees, the tree of life. You can have all of this except for this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we see that even still, that curiosity got twisted in them to know what good and evil would be like, to actually stand in God's judgment seat for themselves and say, I want to know what's right and wrong, and I want to judge what is right and wrong. And and it it is a uh, deceit. It is a thing that rises up in us. It's a temptation. And it usually starts in a subtle form. I don't know if you relate to that, but when we're tempted, it's very rarely overt right in your face at first. It's something that slowly begins to happen over time. And you, you experience these temptations slowly over time. I had an interesting experience this week. It was kind of a metaphor, I think, for some of what we're talking about. I, uh, I work in the film business, and I, I've worked on a variety of projects, everywhere from feature movies to commercial productions to documentaries. Um, and then recently I had my kind of first go at working at this big convention, uh, helping out a company to, to film an event for video games. And it was, it's one of the biggest video game conferences in the world uh, that happens here in L.A., and it just happened this week. And this expo was just full of gamers, uh, these people who are, like, really, really into video games. It was really cool. There was, like, all these amazing, like, you know, displays with, like, virtual reality and 3D and, you know, these, like, real-time matrix shots. It was, like, this really bizarre, cool, like, tech- techno-nerdy experience. So, um, you know, it's something that I, like, I kind of am interested in, but I'm also, like, well, that was, like, another level. But um, it was really interesting to walk into that space because it's a huge warehouse, basically, at the L.A. Convention Center, full of all these exhibits of people showing off the latest and greatest technology and the newest games and, you know, their cool stories and all this stuff. So I walk in, and I'm just inundated immediately by visual media just everywhere. There's video screens everywhere. Everybody's on their cell phones you know, playing games. There's people gaming all over the place. They have headsets on. People have masks on. I mean, it's the most bizarre thing you can imagine. Um, And I walk into this experience. I I actually was thinking while I was there, I was like, if I had never been exposed to media and I walked into this room, it literally would be, I'd probably kill me because of how intense it was, you know? It was just really bizarre. But I, I walked in and I was immediately kind of interested in these different exhibits. And I, could, I started to wonder, I was like, God, what's going on in these exhibits? And I started to see that some of them were really, really into the darkness. Really into the darkness. And then there was others that were kind of not. They were a little bit more benign. Or there were some that were actually really into joy and happiness. And I started to watch people, because I was filming people with my job. Um, so as I'm filming, I'm starting to see faces. And I started to see people's faces I said, Lord, what's going on with the, these people? Some people were like kids in the candy store. And you saw this joy, and it was like, ooh, this is so fun, you know? And they're so excited because they had been waiting all year to go to this event. <laughs> um, but then there were all these people who are just completely numb. And then there were people 
who are like obsessed. And I saw these different kind of faces on people. I said, Lord, what's going on here? What's happening here? And he showed me that at this event there were people that had entertained the darkness so much that they actually craved it. He also showed me that there were people that were just numb because this helped them cover pain in their lives that, was, that they were struggling with, and this kind of numbed it out. It was a way to get out of it. And so the video game world for them was kind of a way to, to cope. And then there were people who weren't really ca- captured by that. There were people who were just enjoying the new technology. It was fun, and it wasn't essentially bad for them. It was just something that was entertaining. And so I, I thought it was interesting to kind of see the scale. I started to see a scale of what happens to us when we engage in media, um, when we engage in different forms of entertainment, to a point in one case where we're so indulgent of it that it brings us down into this really heavy place and we bring people with us. And then there are people, you know, who they've indulged enough and they're just trying to cope through life. And then there are people who aren't entangled by it. Um, It's easy to get too black and white with this issue. It's easy to come in and say that all media is evil, all entertainment, all music is bad, um, and God hates it, and we need to not entertain any of these ideas. I think what needs to happen is that we are called as Christians to take the land that God has called us into, and we need to occupy the space with the light The problem that we have is we're met with resistance because people who are indulged into the darkness and they are essentially controlled by Satan and controlled by darkness, these people will make us feel bad if we try and shine our light. Um, If we walk into a situation and shine our light, we will get bad press for that. And that happens quite a bit in Hollywood is you put out a, a movie that actually has redemptive value and we need to find a way to kind of stain it a bit more. We need to find a way to make it a little bit more gnarly, a little bit more whatever. Um, and the reason that's happening is because it, if the light is uncomfortable when you've been in the darkness for a long time. If you have been sitting in a... I, I grew up living in a basement in the Midwest. Um, I, we had, you know, not just a basement, but my room was in the basement. Um, yeah. There were these prison bars, and, like, there's a lock, and I was like... Is this normal? Um, no, so I, uh, I, I grew up sleeping in a basement in my room, and whenever I would walk outside or somebody would flip the light on, it was like, ah, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I, my eyes, you know, my pupils are like bigger than my eyes. They're so wide open because it's so dark that, you know, to shine any light is just painful, and it gives you a headache. And, and so you want to get rid of it. Turn off the light. Turn off the light. I'm sleeping. <laughs> don't we have a generation? Don't we have a world that is asleep? What God has to offer is life. He wants to waken us up to his life. And we live in a generation, we live in a time where there's a lot of spiritual slumber. And what happens when we shine our light is it causes people to get uncomfortable because it's saying, You're, you need to wake up. You need to get up out of your seat and start doing something different. And nobody wants to be told that. That's uncomfortable. Don't do that. But sometimes the very thing we need is for that light to be flipped on. 
It's the very thing that we need. So we need to not be afraid that the world has something better to offer. I think the church at times, abroad, is afraid that the world has something better to offer. So we need to conform to the world and compete with the world in the way that we do arts, entertainment, media, anything. And I just want to say that there is no competition to God. There is no competition to God. So the very life that God has put inside of you, the very creativity he has put inside of you, is inspired from heaven. It's inspired by him. It's not something that the earth made. It's not something we made. What God wants to do is not eradicate entertainment. He wants to redeem it. God created the mountains. He created the ocean. After I spent, you know, three days at this entertainment expo, I went to the beach the next day with my family because my wife's parents were in town. We just had our, our baby. Oh, by the way, this is my new daughter, Annalisa. She's 30, 30 days old on Father's Day, which is really cool to me. Um, and we went and she had her first real experience at the beach, which is fun. You know, she had a tent, so don't worry. We weren't bad parents. But um, so we went to the beach and it was really foggy, like immediately. It, June gloom, you know, all of this fog is covering the beach and the mountains. You can't see anything. And Caitlin and I knew from experience that it's going to burn off. You know, the sun is going to shine. It's going to burn off. We looked at the weather. It's going to be fine. We're still going to get our, our beautiful experience at the beach in Malibu. And it's going to be really nice. Um, but P- Caitlin's parents aren't from here. So their experience was like kind of this nervousness, like, oh, no. Like, it's foggy. We are so excited to come to California and see the beach and see all of the beauty, you know. And there was this, this fear that it wasn't going to be beautiful. And the cool thing about that is when you, when you have experience of, what, of a pattern, of something that's going to happen, when you have knowledge of something that's going to happen, it, in, it informs your, the, your emotions in a different way. So we didn't have those same emotions because we, we, had, we had this inkling that it wasn't going to stay that way. We're really excited. And the cool thing is I felt like this was God kind of entertaining us a little bit. He was like putting on a show and saying, you know, here's this kind of misty, like mystical moment where there's all this fog, but just get ready because something's about to break and it's going to be really awesome. And so we got out there and uh, as we're waiting, by probably about 1 o'clock, all of a sudden, the sun starts burning off this fog. And the light starts burning off this fog. And not only did we see the vastness of the blue ocean, we saw the vastness of the mountains together. And we saw the beauty of God on display. And it was like he was not only painting a picture, it was like he was showing us a movie. Because it was, it was moving. There was this sense of progression. There was a sense of story. And that he, God, one of the things that God does is he veils his glory. He actually veils his beauty to us because he knows that when he turns the light on, it's, it may be too much. So I actually think that God, not only does he, sometimes he'll flip the light on and be like, get out of bed, son. But I think God is gentle in some ways. And he, he wants us to ask and seek and knock. He wants us to discover his beauty in a way that is progressive. And that was really neat to see at the beach. It was the story of God burning off the fog. And I felt like there's a fog over the entertainment industry. There's a fog over all of this. But what would happen if we shine the light? 
What would happen if we asked God, we started praying, God, we want you to shine your light and burn off this fog. And I think something very profound would happen. We wouldn't just see how bad we've been. I think we would need to repent. We would see that. But I think we would see how beautiful God is. I think we would see how amazing and glorious he is. And God wants to be glorified through the arts. He wants to be glorified through media. He wants to be glorified through entertainment. He wants to take this mountain. But we have to become aware of what is going on with our technology. We have to become aware of what's going on in our world. And we need to become aware of what God is wanting to do so that we can position ourselves to help. There's two things that I think are kind of the main points of how we engage entertainment. We're consumers of entertainment, and then we are makers of entertainment. So people consume it. We're buying up movies. We're buying up music. We're playing video games, all of this stuff. We are consumers of it. Um, but there's also people who are making it. So the, the ratio, however, is really drastic. So the people actually making all of this stuff is like far inferior to the amount of people consuming this stuff. So if I just wanted to propose this idea, and I was praying about it this week because it's something I learned in film school, is that um, there's different ways of consuming media. One is a passive consumption. It's when we go to the movie theater... I just want to throw in my little like film kind of psychology here. When you go to the when you go to the movie theater and sit in the movie, your body is more in more of a dream state uh, than any other physical experience we have. Um, so when you sit down and have your popcorn with, and your coke or whatever, that's what I do because I it's like I can't not do that when I go to the movies. Um, I sit down, I watch the movie, I'm super excited. And then I literally take sugar, pump it into my body so it slows down. And then I go into almost a nap state while I'm watching a movie. Have you ever walked out of a movie and be like, oh man, that was a good movie. What was your favorite part? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, 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 that one scene or whatever. And the next day someone asks, how was that movie that you saw? Oh man, it was so great. It was such a good movie. What was your favorite scene? Uh, I, don't, I actually don't know. I, I'd need to think about it for a bit. What, what's going on with our bodies is we're actually going into kind of a dormant state while we're watching movies. Uh, the same thing happens with video games. It's a little bit different because we're controlling the environment. But what's, what it is like is like a dream. Um, and when you wake up out of a dream, sometimes it's hard to remember it. And it's because your body is in a pseudo-sleep state. And so this is something that's really important. As a filmmaker, that's something I know. As a filmmaker, I know that I can put up several images behind me, turn down the lights, give you guys some soda and popcorn, and you guys are going to more, more or less passively consume the media. That's the message that is being put in front of you. Um, and it's really fun. It's really fun, right? You get to sit down and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see this action film or this romantic comedy or whatever your genre of choice is. And you sit there and you just like, you, you escape right? Um, and this is a really important thing to know because as we're engaging media, um, it's difficult to be actively engaged. It's actually uh, contrary to the way it is designed. So the way it's designed is for you to 
escape and go into a dream, and then you wake up, you know, later, and you're like, oh, that was nice. It, it was a few hours, you know, checked off the list of life here. Um, and I, I think it's something, though, as believers that we need to engage more actively. Um, as praying about this, I said, Lord, I, I, I know this is a truth in the Bible somewhere, but I don't know where it is. <laughs> and I, I need you to show me. And so I, I started praying, and I was like, I bet there's a proverb somewhere about this. And I said, God, show me where, where the proverbs, this proverb is. And he said, I felt in my heart God say, go to Proverbs 14.7. So I turned to Proverbs. So let's turn to Proverbs 14. And I started looking around Proverbs 13. I started fiddling with Proverbs 15 before I went to 14.7. I don't know why we do that. God's like, hey, go here. And I'm like, well, <laughs> before I have a little detour before I go to where you're telling me to go. So I went to Proverbs 14.7. Here's the the two points under consumption of entertainment. Either we are passive consumers, and we live in a dream world when we consume it. It, It's something that we're not aware of. It just kind of comes into us. There's a a film called Inception where, you know, they're they're planting messages and ideas and dreams within dreams. It's like this really elaborate scheme. Um, this is a passive consumption of media. This is passive consumption of entertainment. And then there's active perception. That was the, the word I felt the Lord give me before he led me to Proverbs 14. Active perception. It's, it's where we understand what messages are being sent to us through what we're in, being entertained by. Active perception. In Proverbs 14.7, it says... Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Go, I know it's a a little bit cryptic, but we need to dig into this. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. There are several people, a handful of people making our media. I'm one of them. There's a lot of others too, but in comparison to the world, this is a megaphone to the world. If you look at this megaphone, it all funnels back to a few microphones. And this is a really important thing to know about entertainment, is that there are not so many people making it. There's a few. So they, the weight of responsibility on those people is great. Some of those people are the foolish man. Some of those people are the foolish man. Not everybody. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying the truth is that some of us are foolish. Some of us aren't yet. And then some of us have died to that completely, and we are immersed in our identity in Christ. So there's, there's levels. There's a spectrum of these people. So what we need to do as a body of believers is get, get smart about our entertainment. We need to get smart about what we are receiving passively, stop letting it just hit our minds and kind of absorb into us, but to look back and say, what is this message that is being sent? And start to analyze it a little bit. Because I think messages are really, really important. And the technology is designed in a way for that message to just kind of creep right in and for it to sit maybe for a decade. And then all of a sudden, boom, it comes to life. We are called as believers, to go and make disciples of all nations. 
So this, is, this was the great commission that Jesus sent to his disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. There is a message. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is meant to go forward in all cultures, through all generations. But we have a responsibility of owning the fact that we, some of us, are sitting behind a megaphone. And my question to you is, what is your megaphone? What is your, your megaphone? It may not be to the whole world. It may be to a, a, a sphere of influence. It may be to 50 people. It may to be to 200 people. It may be to 500 people, and so on and so forth. What platform, what lot has God given you to take? What land has God given you to take? And there's a really important thing that we need to do is start to look at the message that is being sent by us. And then also to not unknowingly receive foolish messages and just sit back and let it happen. Proverbs 14.7 says, Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge or truth. So when you know it's not the truth, we need to get away from it. Because if, if we're honest, it's not easy to break out. It's not easy. When there's foolishness going on that message, we just kind of sit in that atmosphere of foolishness. Have you ever been in a, in a social circle, maybe it's work, maybe it's school, where there's all this peer pressure and you, you, everybody's kind of talking a certain way and you begin to conform to that? That is very, very true. As is said here in Proverbs, very, very true. And that has never changed from generation to generation. We may have iPhones. We may have uh, 4K projectors. We may have virtual reality and 3D. But the thing that hasn't changed is that there's pressure from the outside to cause us to conform. So I think it's something that we need to become active and say, okay, I'm not going to just sit here and take it. I want to listen to what's going on. And if it doesn't have truth in it, I'm going to start to differentiate myself. Then there's makers of entertainment. I don't think the, that business is inherently evil. I, I don't think making money is necessarily. But the love of money, the scripture says, is the root of all kinds of evil. So there's all kinds of evil that we see going on, and the love of money often is at the center of it. And that's something that is a stronghold, I think, in Hollywood. And we need to engage the stronghold with prayer and say, Lord, send your mighty angels, Lord, to break the stronghold of greed. Because greed is going to cause us to trip up and, and get into all sorts of trouble. Because all of a sudden, we feel deserving. We feel that we created this. We feel that we can control all of this stuff going on around us. And so it's important for us to engage with the Lord in a way that says, Lord, clean me from greed and pride so that I can become a vessel for you. Whether we're consuming the entertainment or teaching our kids a certain way of consuming or whether we are making the entertainment. It's very important, I think. Pursuing art that reflects God's beauty. There's, there's beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. Not just modern day, there's really traditional pieces. There's beautiful art that's been made all over the world. Um, there's beautiful movies. There's beautiful uh, music that has been made. And we all resonate with that. And there's a universal truth in it. And it's, it usually reflects the beauty of God. And we start to resonate with that. And we're drawn to it. 
So I don't think, you know, there, there's a discouragement in my generation. I'll just be honest. In my generation, I've met a lot of people that were raised in church and are discouraged with media. They're discouraged with art because they feel that they have to uh, sell out and do bad art because, you know, God wants them to be pure or something. Um, that in order to be truly Christian, our artwork has to be bad or ugly or something like that. And I, I think on the contrary, God is calling us to make excellent art. He's calling us to make excellent art. So if you're an artist here, I want to kind of encourage you, and you, you probably believe it, but I want to encourage you again that God has called you to make what you make excellently and to glorify him through your art. But we have to perceive the foolish man, and we have to be careful of foolish messages and begin to line ourselves with the truth. We don't use the scripture to supplement our work. We do not use the scripture to supplement our art form. The scripture, the truth, the knowledge of God, the word of God informs everything that we do. It is meant to inform all that we do. Whatever our vocation is, whether you're in government, education, whether you're in arts and entertainment, whether you're in church and you're, you're a pastor, it doesn't matter. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, it, it doesn't matter. We are meant to be aligned with the truth and become worshipers in spirit and in truth, and then that informs all that we do. Why are we drawn to the darkness? I think... We, we talked about this earlier. I think the, that we're vulnerable in this area. I, I want to turn to, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. How am I doing on time? We've got five? Five, okay. Um, I, I definitely want to be respectful here. I know there's maybe some, some movies to go see after this for Father's Day. Um, I love the movies, by the way. I mean... I mean I'm not dogging it. I, I think there's some really amazing things. I cry at movies sometimes. I'm like such a softie. There's certain movies. I watched this movie. What was it called? Um, the one about Walt Disney and Mary Poppins. And I, it made me cry. I don't know why. But there's this, there's this relationship between the father and the kids. And there's something about that that just like stirred me and moved me. And I was like, oh, geez, I'm starting to weep over here. And my wife's like, Sam, she, he's crying again. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm really moved by these, the, the art form. I'm, I'm moved by the, the storytelling. There's something beautiful about the way that stories are told. It, it reflects not just, you know, the, uh, the struggle. That's part of it. You feel the struggle and you relate to the struggle. But the, the yearning for redemption, there's something about that that's really beautiful. Um, in Genesis, we have that yearning, that the, for beauty. It was inherent. It was, it was first. But then there was a fall. And this happened when we t- partook of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think this is a really important concept. So in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And I think it's important to come back to this um, idea of knowledge of good and evil because it's, it's different than the tree of life. 
in one situation, uh, the tree of life, we implicitly trust God for all of our needs. He gives us the fruit. He gives us the food that we need to survive. He gives us all the life that we need to, to, sur- to not just survive, but to thrive and to embody a sense of full joy and to have joy to the fullest, right? But then with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what it does is it, it supplants God as king and allows us to take the place or to assume the place. And I think God wants to reverse that in our generation. He wants to reverse it in the way that we do media and the way that we consume media. And he wants us to begin to ask him, Lord, what can I do? What is my part to play here? To begin to engage media, whether you're making it or consuming it, engage this in a way that puts you on the throne and puts you as, as the king rather than assuming that we know good and evil. And there's an immense judgmentalism that creates in humanity. You see it in church, and the church gets blamed for being judgmental at times. Um, but the whole world is judgmental. That's a human nature issue. It's not a church issue. It's, it's human nature. It, it, predates, uh, it predates these walls here. <laughs> so the issue that we're dealing with is not just that... Um, you know, as Christians, we're judgmental. It's as human beings. It's as human beings. We have this innate urge to know good and evil. Uh, he, he's good. I see some good things. Oh, wait, he did that. He's evil. And so we begin to delineate. And it's, it's a temptation that started in the Garden of Eden. When Jesus came, he broke this. And Jesus was referred to as the second Adam. And so there is this sense that Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled the law and the prophets. He came and he broke the cycle of us having to draw from knowledge of of good and evil and then begin to draw again from the tree of life. And I think this is a really important thing for us to do because it's easy for me to get on a pedestal and judge your art form or your, you know, form of entertainment. Oh, you, you use that technology? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, in this specific area. But I think it's something that God wants us to engage with out of a place of life where we hear his voice and we act upon it. We don't go off just a list of rules. We listen and perceive, Lord, what is going on in this situation with these people, with this, with this form of media? And, and what are we going to do about it? And what, what do we do? I think we need to repent for some things. There's some things that we need to repent from. If we go back to Psalm 19, it says, may, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God. So there is an element where we need to, to get clean. And Matthew, uh, I believe it's chapter 6, says the eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is clean, it gives light to the whole body. And so there's what we see is really important. And there's, I believe, a gate, in a way, that we need to put up over our eyes or a filter over our eyes when we enter the world. Because the world is full of messages that are untrue, they're dark, twisted, and they want to give death to you. And they want to give death to us. And God wants to give messages of life through 
all, of that, all that we do and all we consume. And so we need to put a filter on our eyes. So young people, when you are consuming media, when you're staring at your iPhone for whatever, how many ever hours, I, I have now an iPhone like counter that tells me how much time I spend on my iPhone. And I was shocked. It was terrible. Like when I first started using it, I was spending probably a couple, de- couple hours a day on my phone. And I, I was, I was, I'm hurt by that because I'm like, what am I doing? That's two hours that I could be spending with my kids. That's two hours that I could be getting things done. That's two hours that I could be spending with the Lord. And I, I think we need to, I don't, I'm not judging you if, you if you're on your phone for a lot, you know. I, what I'm saying is there's an invitation. There's an invitation for us to begin to become aware of what's happening around us. So it's not just happening to us, but we are influencing what's going on around us. And that's really what ends up being. It, we are either, we are affected by what's going on around us, we're influenced by what's going on around us, or we influence what's going on around us. And so what God is calling us to is to occupy the space of arts, entertainment, and media, and beyond. He wants us to inter- occupy this space and influence it with the light, because we all have a light, and you all have a light inside of you, and God wants you to shine that. And I just, I had this vision that what if we stop, we stop believing that God was not capable of doing this? What if we stop believing that God was less entertaining than what the world has to offer? And we started believing that God is the most beautiful, glorious being of all creation. He created all of it. He's so beautiful, so all-encompassing. If we started believing that, turning on our light and saying, God, here I am. <laughs> send me. Here I am, send me. Send me out to whatever it is, to the mountaintop of film or media. And I've been blown away because when God encountered me at a young age and called me into the film industry, I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what this looks like. Here I am, send me. And soon enough, I was working on massive movies and all of this stuff that ended up happening to me in a short period of time. And it's not because of me. It's not because I even wanted that. It's because God is looking for recruits. He's looking for people to come and occupy the space with the light of Jesus Christ. So we need to become contagious in the way that we give out our light because it's way better than what the world's offering. Like it's significantly better. But we kind of don't believe that, do we? We kind of don't believe that it's significantly better. And I think that God wants to consume our full thought and our full belief and have us come into a new mind space where we believe that what he has to offer is substantially, head and shoulders, better than what the world has to offer. So we need to repent. We need to say, Lord, forgive us. And we need to pray. We need to be filled with the Spirit and go out. We need to be warned about some of these things going on around us and how it could potentially hurt us. And we need to put up our armor, the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness. One of the big ones I have when it comes to arts, entertainment, and media is the helmet of salvation that God wants to redeem and he redeemed our minds. He wants to renew our minds. And Lord, today, every day I, I get up and say, Lord, I'm putting on that helmet of salvation. You saved me in my mind. Protect my thoughts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, my mind, be pleasing to you, Lord. And so we need to guard our hearts for it is the wellspring of life. So young people, I love you. And I love 
I love all you. You're all great. <laughs> but I wanted to speak specifically to young people. Guard your hearts, for it's the wellspring of life, you guys. God has a destiny for you, and he may want you to be up on that mountaintop, shining in his light, but we have to beware and prepare. So anyways, I'll, I just bless you guys, and I just want to pray. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.